Previously on Gus Tulip, Private Dick, Gus followed a lead to the Unusual Inventions Convention. Witness the future today. Where he eventually found Pushkaramba's booth, manned by Dr. Jonas Stinkwolf. We are blending biology with magics. Who was about to show off the dazzling new technology he'd invented. But let's waste no more time now and move right along. Hold on tight, here we go. <clears throat> June 12, 2005, 11.10 p.m. Omar Batch rushes from his own wedding party and takes a taxi home to eat the five tubs of yogurt in his fridge that are expiring at midnight. But that's beside the point right now. This is also not the story of John Godpuppet and Nora Pazzle, two English friends in Berlin for Halloween who are dressed up as Japanese tourists Dressing up for Halloween in Rome. <laughs> Nor is it the tale of Julie Rigo, who pushed a wheelchair over busy sidewalks and up steep gravel roads for a full half hour before realizing her sick grandmother had fallen out somewhere along the way. Nope. Our narrative picks up again at the Unusual Inventions Convention. where Gus has found the booth he was looking for. In case you need reminding, his name is Gus Tulip. And he's a dick. A private dick. Gus Tulip, a private dick. Oh, yeah. Yes, we rejoin Gus, just as Dr. Jonas Stinkwolf is about to demonstrate his cutting-edge organic content replication system. All he needs is a volunteer from the audience. How about you, sir? All you have to do is step into this pot. Gus doesn't know why he volunteers. Why do people get calf implants? text drunk, or spend their only holidays with extended families they despise. Maybe, on this particular occasion, it has something to do with a junkie's need for a fix, with the musk of an elephant bull in must. Or merely with a man's innate urge to know what's around the bend and how to use it to self-destruct. But we're not in the speculation business here. We don't ask why, we work exclusively with what. Here, we only deal with facts, just as Fortune 500 management only deal with the bottom line. Here, we can only state with any certainty that Gus is drawn to the pod, and deeply so. Somewhere in the depths of his mangled frontal lobe, he feels it is his singular destiny to enter its dense domain. That there is something in there to find and eventually spoon with, perhaps on a filthy couch while watching Dr. Phil. 
And before you could say June buggy, plumpkin, mac and cheese, Gus has raised his hand. Before you could even order a grundle of line cord limes, he finds himself stepping into the pod. A guinea pig in a thick glass jar that reeks of lunacy and mothballs. Oh, wunderbar. Yes, a super prime time volunteer to send from the pod A to the pod B and totally of his own accord, of course. No mind games or tricks of any variety involved here. All the cookies have been accepted, as well as that super long privacy statement no one reads. Yes, I have never seen this man before, and don't worry, there is less than 50. 58% chance of terrible lifelong deformity once all is said and done. All mathematical equations have been vigorously tested by Matt Damon from Goodwill Hunting. Here we go. The pod door closes with an eerie click. A mist rises, the glass turns opaque, and the world outside disappears. Time has become fickle and mass frail and corrupt. At once, Gus is a whale stranded on a beach. A falcon diving for a dove. A moth trapped in a web and a gibbon swinging through the dawn. At once, all is terrible, wonderful, pliable, broken and redeemed. He is the victor and the slave, the general and the pawn. And as the fog now clears, he sees that he is hurtling through space. Tickets, please. Tickets, please. Ladies and gentlemen, get your tickets out, please. Thank you. Thank you. Tickets. Tickets, please. Gus gives her his ticket. Wait, where did that come from? Thank you, sir, and welcome aboard the Crosspod Express. You're set all the way to pod B. No transfers, no hassles, no smelly man tax or light surgery. Please do remember to collect your dead skin cells before leaving the car and refrain from licking the wall sausages. Tickets, tickets please. Tickets ladies and gentlemen, please get your tickets out. Tickets please. Gus is sitting beside a large window. Outside there is a nothingness, 
but a nothingness that hums, one that knows, with a color you'd like to incorrectly call purple. The Crosspod Express moves at great speed through this void, along a track that snakes backward to beyond where the eye can see. There's a row of hand-drawn moons in the distance, and clouds of dancing multicolored gas, and a floating stream of thick red goo runs alongside for a stretch. But for the rest, there is only space. Gus looks away. There's a cold sadness out there, a closeness to death he can no longer feed. But inside the train, it is lively with a kind of busy warmth, even if tinged with a dash of mad distress. <laughs> Doppelganger, Mr. Ernest Doppelganger, please pick up line six for a collect call from your mama. Paging Miss Gaberone, Miss Gail Gaberone, you are expected in meeting car nine. A food trolley makes its way along the aisle. Oi oi! Can I interest anyone in an onboard meal today? May I suggest our wonderful starter? What we do is we get 20 extremely fresh prawns, cut the digestive tracts out of them, then throw away the prawns and serve only the poop shoots on a tasting spoon with terribly burnt toast. Or perhaps you'd prefer our... Signature two days old huevos rancheros, always a crowd pleaser. We are also ecstatic to be serving only today and only on this very train. A rollasses of moop with a lettuce not blanis and a dollop of flob gelée. This is not your usual train interior. There is standing room as well as sitting room, but the seats are arranged in no particular order, facing no particular direction, and there is no consistency in their size, shape, or appearance. There are several passengers traveling in Gus's car. One is wearing two sacks of potatoes as earrings. Idaho! Opposite her, a bald man with dandruff reads the label on a can of beans. His nose is so red, with so many ripe blackheads, it looks like a strawberry. Wait, it is a strawberry! To his left, another man has a full grey beard entirely entwined with extensive hanging ferns that seem to be sprouting from his nostrils. A chipmunk sits on his shoulder, eating the walnuts it's stored in there for the winter. A woman in a tube top has a gaping wound in her shoulder from which a perky stop-motion caterpillar sometimes pokes its head. She smiles, flashing a double row of sky-blue teeth. Though each is so outlandish, 
they all recall people Gus has seen before, but can't quite place. Each an echo of a memory that's lost to time and space. But let's pause here for just a minute for a message from our sponsors. Because... This portion of the program is brought to you by... Sparky's Retail and Dental. Stop by right now for Sparky's crazy, crazy sale. With serious discounts on everything in the store except the thing you're looking for. We're talking pants, hats, chairs, goldfish, rugs, lamps, flartons, diapers, yogurt, quampox, gravy, suits, jet skis, all up to 60% off. That's up to 50% off. I said 40% discount on every single thing in the store besides the one thing you need. Sparky's Retail and Dental. If you want it, we don't have it. This portion of the program is also brought to you by... Nino's Non-Certified Escape Rooms. We lock you in a tiny, dark, windowless room for 36 hours with only a shoe, an exacto knife and a bottle of distilled vinegar. But don't worry. We wait a full six minutes before releasing the giant Nicaraguan hell millipedes. Nino's non-certified escape rooms. You'll wish you'd stayed at home. Okay, back to the Crosspot Express. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, fiends and fabrications, and welcome aboard. If you care to look outside on your left, you'll see the last six women you did wrong, and on the right, the true shape of your deepest regret. We will be arriving at our next stop, Pod B, in just as long as it takes a dying man to realize his wife never loved him. Gus now looks at the passenger closest to him. The guy's face is in a state of general disrepair. It brings to mind a once grand and proud family manor, abandoned in the Great Depression, to be ravaged by wind, rain, termites and rot, now home only to roaches and rats, darkness and decay. Noticing him looking, the man comes over and introduces himself. Man, Drake Folky, pleased to be making your acquaintance. Noticed you over there while I was over here. Or is that a vice versa situation? Never you mind over matter, if you will. Mandrake Folky smells a bit off, but only slightly. Like when you're surprised to still faintly smell last night's Mexican food on your fingers. Now will you look at that lady's ham bag? I'm still surprised they make bags out of ham. Though clearly most of the world is unnecessary for most of the world. But say, have you seen my rectal thermometer? Folky looks like he's gleefully eating chocolate pudding as he speaks. Did you say something? Sorry, but I'm deaf in one ear and blind land in the other. Now did we meet before? My sincerest apologies. I'm not very good at remembering names nor faces. And you can add objects, dates and addresses to that list. I'll admit, I can never quite remember just how many children my mama had. Terrible to live wanting terrible things though, ain't 
that effect. And by the way, what's the ETA for PTSD? Is NYU asking for MTV? My good friend Bethany would know. Oh, you should meet her. She has just the most audacious derriere. Derriere. And her perfume somehow reminds me of the days I still cared about my life. Thought she'd be riding with us today, in fact. But I see her neither here nor there nor anywhere in between. Paging Mr. Falky and Mr. Juicebox. Mrs. Falky and Juicebox, please report to the latrine for a spanking. Well, I'll be taking my leave now, my good man. Mighty fine to meet you, mighty fine indeed. And Mandrake Falky was gone. You must ignore him, Mr. Tulip. They seem to have appeared out of nowhere. Mandrake Reginald Folky is no character to engage with at will, like a daily vitamin pill. Oh no, not at all. They are tall and thin, with maroon capes, bowler hats, and horn-rimmed glasses with no frames. But allow me to introduce ourselves. We are the Laughers that fall. I am Laffer Gertrude, and this is Laffer Mike. We used to be the Laffers at Fallers, but we felt shame and changed our ways. For we also fall, feel pain, and suffer injury, fracturing ribs, and rupturing Achilles. Tendons, and we too desire not to be laughed at. So now we laugh and also fall, but never ever laugh at the falling. We always speak for one as we do for all, for we are the laughers that fall. And we have a message for you. Beware of Stinko Fist! He is not as dead as you imagine. Not nearly as dead, in fact. And he is keeping tabs on you. Very much so. And has plans for you, too. They both touch wrist to forehead. We have the same agenda, Mr. Tulip. And share a common foe. Stinko Fist must not succeed. And you, like we, must feed the free. A rolasses of moo. So tell me, Gus Tulip, why are you searching for all you cannot find? And why eat the lemon but not the rind? Why are you looking under paper rocks? And why must you sit on a throne of dirty socks? Yes, he cleans his gun in the sun with a bear, waves hands in the air like he actually cares. But, of course, there are endless riddles on the wall. And no one true face in place to break your fall. You must be careful, Mr. Tulip. 
You must resist the song of the sliding snail and be urged to open your neighbor's mail. You mustn't let your house become too dusty or pick your nose after cutting chilies, no matter how crusty. For we need a man on the outside. A man who is touched and rude and damaged and lost. A man like you, Gus Tulip. A man like you. The month of Tuesday. The month of Tuesday. We will make contact again in the outside world where we can control the circumstances better. As it is, we have already stayed too long. It has not been easy to hijack this transmission. And it is dangerous for us to be here. They are everywhere, always watching, and our intelligence suggests she might even be on board today. Wait, oh god, is that her? We must go, we must run, but remember, beware of Stinko Fist. Beware of Stinko Fist. Tickets, tickets please, get your tickets out please. Oh, good afternoon, Miss Muerte. I was wondering if you were riding with us today. How lovely to see you. And may I say, you are looking stunning as usual. Will you be alighting at Pod B today, Miss Muerte? Or travelling further into the lingering delusion zone? Gus jumps out of his seat. The conductor is a ways down the car and he hurries towards her, but the aisle is suddenly crammed with burly passengers holding bulky luggage and he struggles to get by. Now, a man on a unicycle rides towards him with a llama and behind them, a lady has set up a three-card monte table with a crowd gathering round. Gus tries to push through, but he's caught up in the throng. He's poked and prodded and someone bites his ear. Someone else shoves him and he stumbles and falls. But he does not hit the ground, he goes right through the floor! The Crosspot Express zooms along and away. As Gus floats off into the nothingness. And so, we come to the end of another episode. But don't worry, the next riveting installment is already in the works. Please rate, share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and check out gustulip.com for transcripts and other cool stuff. This has been a Cantor Loop production. <laughs>